You're listening to Undetermined, Deaths, Disappearances, and Mysteries. I'm your host, Dr. N. Thank you all so much for listening to Season 1 of the podcast over the last few months. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, and enjoyed the holiday season. This is the last episode of Season 1. I will take a break to work on Season 2. Be on the lookout for announcements about Season 2 coming soon. Today, I want to talk about the death of Natalie Wood. But first, let's talk about Natalie's life. Natalie Wood was a popular actress starting her career very young. She's best known as the young girl on Miracle on 34th Street. She also had roles in Rebel Without a Cause, The Searchers, West Side Story, Gypsy, Splendor in the Grass, Love with the Proper Stranger, and From Here to Eternity, just to name a few. She received four Golden Globes and three Academy Award nominations. She had quite the career as an actor and settled down with her husband Robert Wagner in the 1970s to start a family. She was one of the few actors at the time who successfully transitioned from child to teen to adult roles. She had a wide range of acting skill and ability, which produced a fruitful career. Her relationship with her husband was tumultuous. They were married twice, once from 1957 to 1962, and the second marriage was held in 1972. Between these unions, Natalie was married to Richard Gregson, with whom she had a daughter in 1970, And after her second marriage to Robert, they had a daughter in 1974. Their marriage was highly publicized under the microscope from press and tabloids. To others, their marriage seemed healthy and they both showed commitment to making the union work. In the late fall of 1981, Natalie was working on the movie Brainstorm when she took a weekend boat trip on her husband's yacht to the Catalina Islands. Those on board the yacht included Natalie, her husband Robert, and co-star Christopher Walken, along with the ship's captain, Dennis Devern. And yes, that Christopher Walken, who has starred in dozens of well-known films over the years, including Pulp Fiction, Catch Me If You Can, Sleepy Hollow, and Joe Dirt. Natalie's body was found at 8 a.m. on November 29, 1981, a mile away from her husband's yacht, with a small inflatable dinghy beached nearby. For those of you unfamiliar with boating terms, a dinghy is a small boat that's often towed by a larger vessel for use as either a lifeboat or tender to transport supplies or people to and from the vessel. Natalie was found wearing a flannel nightgown, a down jacket, and wool socks. There were no reported witnesses to Natalie entering the water, whether it might have been by accident, by force, or by choice. Her husband claimed she was not with him when he went to bed on the night of November 28th. Her autopsy showed bruising on her body and arms and abrasions on her left cheek, suggesting foul play, but there was no evidence to suggest how or even when she received these injuries. The captain, Dennis, claimed he had heard the couple arguing that night. 
Robert, of course, denied this allegation at the time, though he later admitted this was true in his memoir. The autopsy also captured Natalie's blood alcohol level at 0.14, which is well over the legal limit of 0.08. There were also traces of motion sickness pills, which makes sense if you get seasick, along with painkillers. And both of these medications can intensify the effects of alcohol. The official cause of death was accidental drowning and hypothermia. The Los Angeles County coroner had a plausible theory that Natalie had lost her balance due to her level of intoxication and slipped while trying to reboard the dinghy. Her sister came out and said she doubted this theory since Natalie did not know how to swim and was afraid of water, so it didn't make sense to her to have taken the dinghy out in the first place, much less while drunk and alone. Two witnesses came forward to say that they heard a woman screaming for help that night. Supposedly, they heard someone screaming, quote, somebody please help me, I'm drowning, end quote, for nearly 30 minutes between 11 and 11.30 p.m. These witnesses were about 80 feet away from Natalie's yacht at the time, but they thought it was a joke being played by someone on another nearby party boat. The witnesses did claim to have tried calling the harbor master, but got no answer. After 30 years, the case was reopened in November of 2011, after the captain of the boat admitted publicly to lying to the police during the initial investigation regarding the argument Natalie had had with Robert. His story, now changed, stated that Natalie had been flirting with Christopher Walken, which made Robert jealous and angry. The captain claimed Robert prevented him from turning on the searchlights or notifying authorities after she disappeared. He believed Robert was responsible for her death. Christopher Walken hired a lawyer, was cooperative with the investigation, and was not considered a suspect in Natalie's death. In 2012, Natalie's death certificate was amended. Specifically, the cause of death changed from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. The amendment also included a statement referring to how it is not known how Natalie ended up in the water. In 2013, the coroner's office produced a 10-page addendum to Natalie's autopsy report. This addendum stated that she could have sustained the bruising on her body before entering the water, but there was no way to determine that definitively. Michael Hunter, a forensic pathologist, believed Natalie might have bruised more easily than others because she was taking a drug called Synthroid. Synthroid is the most popular medication used to treat hypothyroidism, a synthetic thyroid hormone pill. Like all medications, it comes along with side effects. I'm not sure if the forensic pathologist believed the medication was to blame or her condition was to blame. One of the side effects of hypothyroidism is easy bruising, so she could have been taking a dose that was too high, which could have led to more bruising. That might be a stretch, but I'm not seeing bruising as a listed side effect of the medications itself. In 2020, a medical doctor and former intern of the coroner for the case stated that the bruises were pretty substantial and they fit 
with what you would expect someone to look like who's been thrown over a boat. The intern claims he had made these assertions to the coroner at the time, but was rebuffed in a way that made him suspicious. This could have been a reaction to a threat to superiority and questioning an authority figure. Or the coroner could have been involved in a cover-up. There's really no evidence either way. For all we know, the intern could also be lying to gain attention. Many opinions and accounts of this case have changed over the years. Another differing account belongs to Robert himself, the husband. He claims to have been in a heated debate with Christopher Walken over politics, which bored his wife to bed. This is different from his report at the time that he went to bed before her and from the admission that they had argued that night. His theory was that she couldn't sleep with the dinghy banging against the yacht and went to tighten the line, during which she fell and hit her head. The captain again came out in 2020 with more details about his change of story that we already discussed. He claims Robert was so angry about the flirting between Natalie and Christopher that he smashed a wine bottle on the table and yelled at Walken over it. This was followed by what the captain described as an epic fight. When he claims to have heard the dinghy being untied before seeing Robert return, tousled and sweating profusely. The captain then claims to have gone to check and see what was going on when Robert told him Natalie was missing. The captain claims to have searched for her, but was told by Robert not to turn the floodlights on to look for her in the water, saying he didn't want to draw publicity by doing so. An interesting gap in the timeline is that those on board claim Natalie was noticed to be missing around 11 p.m., but they didn't call for help until 1.30 a.m. And that wasn't even to the Coast Guard, it was to the ship to shore. The Coast Guard wasn't called until 3.30 a.m. Suspicious. Now why would they wait four hours to call the Coast Guard? And why would the captain wait decades to relay all of this new and incriminating information? Robert's final speculation about what happened to his wife occurred in his 2008 memoir, where he claims no one knows exactly what happened. Convenient. After being reopened for seven years, the sheriff's department reclassified the death to suspicious and named Robert as a person of interest following interviews with former neighbors and fellow boaters. At the time, 90-year-old Robert was understandably not interested in talking to the police about Natalie's death. So what happened to Natalie? Did the heavily intoxicated star slip overboard, possibly while trying to secure the dinghy? Did the deathly afraid of water woman get in the dinghy to get away from an intense argument? Did Robert push her overboard after an epic fight and struggle? Did she fall during the fight and he decided not to help her? We may never know. Maybe the strange and suspicious nature of her death makes it harder for us to accept a mundane explanation. But until we can get more information about the time lapse between Natalie's disappearance and the call to the Coast Guard, 
and, if possible, until we obtain more definitive details about Natalie's autopsy, like the time of death, this case remains undetermined. One last tidbit to round out the episode and the season with a bit of spook. Natalie's mother, Maria, claimed that she had seen a fortune teller when she was still a child, long before she had even thought about having Natalie. This fortune teller told Natalie's mom that her second child would be a great beauty and famous, but that she should beware of dark water. Thank you for listening to episode 10 and season 1 of Undetermined. I deeply appreciate all of your support over the last few months. Again, I'll be taking a break to work on season 2, but be sure to look out for more information on that coming soon. Until then, stay curious. You can find me on Instagram at undeterminedpod. If you have an undetermined story of your own, I'd love to share it on the podcast. Please send it to undeterminedpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, download episodes, and leave a review. All episode content was researched, written, and produced by me, Dr. Anne. Sources for all episodes can be found at the link in the episode notes. All music you hear on the podcast was written and produced by me, Dr. Anne.